Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the Believe in Mavs podcast. I'm your host, Wyatt Huskins, alongside Alex Tosopoulos. And Alex, the last game against the Indiana Pacers, it was, I would say, a game of duality. Two-face, as Batman would call him. And you have to take the good with the bad. And the good, obviously... Maxi Kleba came back, looked like the old Maxi Kleba, just what we needed him to be, although we did not get the win. Luca had a great game, great birthday game, all around great performance, had good defense, you know, a little bit too much complaining, a little bit too much talking, I think, especially to the refs from Rick Carlisle. Kyrie didn't have the best game of his life. Offense at times looks amazing. Defense at times Looks absolutely terrible. Alex, what did you see from this last game? What stood out to you? Take it away. Well, first off, we're recording this, you know, this this game happened two nights ago, but we, we needed a full day just to, Recovery to day. get over this. Yeah, to get over this loss. Um, kind of reassess, reevaluate. I think... You know, Mavs fans, Mavs Twitter, up in arms, really, after this loss, you know, on the heels of the loss to the Lakers as well, where we collapsed and blew that massive lead that we had. We knew this was a a high-stakes game for Kid, at least in the eyes of the fans, right? Because we're playing our, our, you know, our former head coach who was with us for, gosh, I mean, it was it 12, I think it's 12 years. years, I think. Yeah. And a guy that's revered by Mavs fans. Um, although at the end, I think, you know, it was a mutual parting of ways. Um, and I, that was very apparent with, with the way that Luca interacted with him. Um, you know, Luca always talks about how he only talks shit when people talk shit to him, right? He only talks back. Yep. He did in this um, game. I, I felt like he instigated a little bit this game. Yeah, I think so. I, I, you know, he is a year older now. He's 24. But um, I felt like it was a, a step back maturity wise for him. Yeah. But that can happen, you know, when, when personal ties, um, those, those bring up more emotions, more feelings. I never get upset that he's playing with that emotionality. But um, I do think, you know, as we've talked about before, like it can be. It could be a little bit of a distraction. I, I'm I'm trying not to get too far ahead of myself with these two losses in a row. Now we're one and two post-All-Star break. Um, you know, it's not like we, we've had a ton of games in a short amount of time. Like, there's been a lot of time to let the dust settle after these games happen. And I think that's what's happening now is, like, we're getting really microscopic with how we – break down this team and how we criticize this team and rightly so i mean we're we're out of the playoffs now right we're in the play-in we're the number seven seed we play a philly team tonight where Embiid is likely going to play after he just got you know a night of rest so uh, i kind of danced around your your original question of you know the takeaways from the game but i still I, I'm I'm unsatisfied. I'm a little unsettled. Yep. But I'm not devoid of hope. Like I, I think that we have a chance here, and we have a couple of tough games before we get into kind of our really easy stretch to end the season. 
but we got to put together some wins. We got to put together some momentum. And I don't know. Like I looked, I watched the highlights again. I rewatched like some of the moments that I wanted to to dig back into. And then I looked at the post game answers that kid Luca and Kyrie gave. They said all the right things this time. This wasn't like post Lakers game where, you know, Jason Kidd said some things that I thought were, were very, you know, easily. I, I was criticizing because I, I couldn't believe the rotations and I was scratching my head a little bit at the rotations in this Pacers game, but at yeah. least I was like, okay, Tim, Tim was hot. He yeah. Kept him in. Tim ended up playing 37 minutes. I liked that. Um, don't let the Mavericks get an offensive rebound because Tim will shoot the next shot and he will make he it. He will drain that's it. Like what, that's what's happening right now. My biggest takeaway still, though, has to I'm, – I'm fixated right now on Josh Green and him having to be on the court in the last five minutes of the game. And in watching and re-watching the highlights, he had two crucial offensive rebounds in the game where it resulted in a second opportunity. And just like I said, and then Tim hits a three. And, like, he just, he just gives us a chance to do things, to get more opportunities, to push the pace – that other guys on our team can't do. And Reggie Reggie hit some clutch threes in this game. He really did. Um, but our shot quality, we've, we've always talked about this, even prior to, to Kyrie being on the team, because of Luka, like the shot quality for everyone else is, is so great. And guys just have to hit shots. Mm-hmm. And whether it's Kyrie or not, like guys have to hit shots. I felt like the same thing happened in the Lakers game. Like the game got away from us, but it's not like our – our shots, they were, they weren't open and we were like chucking stuff up at the end of the shot clock, you know, the, the last six minutes of the game. It was like quality looks that just weren't falling. Yep. I, I mean, in the first half, we, I think we maybe made like five threes uh, as a team. It was really, uh, the first half was really poor shooting. I think um, when you look at, we like to look at, like you said, we like to look at the micro stuff. In this game, in a two-point game, there's a lot of opportunities to look at the small things that could have gotten us the victory. If you want to blame the referees, you can. They missed two calls in the last two minutes. On the last two-minute report, there was a travel and uh, what should have been an offensive foul, I believe, on Buddy Heald, on Maxi Kleba. Yeah. Um, once again, micro level. Christian Wood at the beginning of the fourth quarter after having a what should have been another moving screen to start the the fourth and i it was he gave up six points on three straight possessions by the pacers or or, or, you know essentially because of the two turnovers on our end and then a lazy rotation on defense that's a micro level that you can look at it could be micro could be macro of justin holiday starting like i I really enjoy the move like I, i like the move to get him for depth but to start him over Josh Green, I, I really don't understand that. Um, I, I don't necessarily like to criticize Coach Kidd, I think, as much as Twitter would because I do believe, hey, this guy does know a lot more about basketball than I do. Believe it or not, I'm not the expert here. This guy, he should know what he's doing. But that decision to, to continue to do that, it, it makes me roll my eyes a little bit. I got to be honest. Josh Green, I get it. He had two tough games before the all-star break, but the kid didn't come in thinking he was going to start basketball games. It, like 
if you're not really conditioned and of course, you know, you expect, Oh man, these guys are all professional athletes. They should be conditioned. Hey, if he's not really expecting to start a game, he is conditioning himself in the preseason, in the off season to come in and give those huge bursts of energy off the bench. If that's what he's prepared to do in the off season and then is thrust into a role where he's starting and he's playing 30 plus minutes a game for several weeks in a row, there's a good chance he's going to tuck her out right before the all-star break. Like, and to then this is the same thing that happened to see what, uh, when he had his injury and which is why I believe he's playing poorly right now. Uh, and it's all mental for Seawood. For Josh Green, I believe he just got tired. He just got tired before the All-Star break and did not see him starting. It's just really unfortunate, and you're going to have to have a guy who can push the pace against a 76ers team so that you can't get that Joel Embiid anchor defense set. Because if you know, and I'm sure you noticed, Alex, uh, Miles Turner took away Kyrie Irving for the most part, and then everybody not named Luka Doncic, in my opinion. He was amazing down low. And with Joe LMB, you have kind of the same guy, except way better. Just maybe not on defense, but in everything else. And so you have to be able to get out and run in transition and and be able to push the pace against uh, uh, the 76ers team with James Harden and Joel Embiid. Yeah, I mean, our bigs are really going to get tested. You know, Maxi had a he really had a good game back. Yes. Um, he had an explosive move, which was great to see where he uh, – I can't remember who he took off the dribble, um, but drove – middle of the paint and threw it down really, really athletic move. Um, that was great to see from him, but you know, I expect we'll see a little bit of JaVale in this game. I expect we'll see a lot of Maxi, a lot of Dwight, less Christian Wood, yes. And it's because of what you just talked about at the beginning of the fourth quarter, three possessions in a row where he makes a mistake on offense and he can't put together good possessions on defense. That's where that that trust falls away. I, I'm less concerned about our starting lineup and Josh Green being there at this point of the season. Like we have 18 games left. I we are in every game. Yep. If you look at us from like a against the spread, statistically, like we're terrible. ATS. Right. We're we're really bad. Um, we lose a lot of close games. We don't get blown out a lot. We don't blow other teams out. So we are in it. So to me, even more so than other teams around the NBA, clutch time rotations really, really matter for us. The fourth quarter really, really matters for us. And it's been our Achilles heel, I think, the entire season. I think we're 0-7 on on shots at the end of the game. Like we're 0-7 in games where we have an opportunity to win the game or tie the game. Um on the last possession. Oh, that makes me feel good. Yeah. So, you know, everybody's coming up with like, oh, here's my, you know, here's my coach's whiteboard and here's the play I would have drawn up. But I think so much of that also has to do with the last like three to five minutes. Yeah. Clutch time. As oh, 100%. Um, and so I'm more concerned with, okay, who's on the court at the very end of the game? Yeah. And I know, and, and this doesn't, not accounting for like, in the last 50 seconds, you know, switches for defense to offense, that kind of stuff. Like you, you do that when the game slows down, when you're, when it's free throws against free throws or free throws against threes, when you're trying to come back, whatever the situation is. Um, I thought we were not only Olay defenders and like letting guys get into the paint. Yep. Um, 
you know, some of that's just these these that, that Pacers team is solid. Like yeah. they're not they're not they're not a joke. I, they're kind of akin to the Thunder in the Western Conference, where you know they're they're fringe playing team. They're kind of bouncing in and out of of that contention, but um, but they have some savvy players and Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton is the man. And at a and at a point, I said he was an All Star starter. On the he's East. the man. He's really really good. He. He's a he's a tremendous player. I mean, he diced us. Like he he took us in every different direction. He yo-yoed our defenders, but we also were very undisciplined. Yep. And that's you know what what you saw from a from a foul shooting perspective. They got to the line way too much on us. Yep. And um, you just can't give easy opportunities to a young team like this. Like you'd rather put the pressure on them to hit really tough shots. Mm-hmm. And credit to them. Like they had a lot of timely threes in this game yep. um and, and guys that stepped up but moving ahead new opportunity and ultimately it's what do we you know how how, how deep can we dig right uh because we're, we're 32 and 31 right now and like i said like we're the seventh seed we have six good teams ahead of us somehow the warriors have ended up in the, the fifth seed spot and steph's not even playing clay thompson has been absolutely lights out the last two months he's looked like prime clay i think his his statistically his splits are as good as they've ever been in his career um so we have no time to dawdle about dilly dally can't be dilly dallying it's it's what's really unfortunate is i think you and me we were both super positive about the Kyrie trade i'm still super positive about the Kyrie trade as i'm sure you are and i think the whole fan base was and I don't think I don't think anybody really thought about it. And maybe people did and, and it was the haters and we were like, ah, screw the haters, whatever. Um, but it's going to take some time for this team to adjust. There was a, I mean, with Doe leaving, you had such a, a leader on the floor that you're missing. And Maxi being back helps that a lot with defense. He is not only doing his thing physically, but... He's he's you know he's using his voice he's he's calling guys out, um, well seeing where guys are supposed to be on the floor you know he is the vocal leader of the defense at this point that's what you're gonna he's he's gonna have to step up into that point and Maxi co- confident Maxi I'm happy with that when he starts missing shots and gets a little bit less confident it sometimes affects his defense as well and that's just you know I, I won't be looking forward to that if it does happen but you know with a guy like Kyrie on the team. Hopefully that takes the pressure off. Yeah, I. So I look at again. I I echo your sentiment about where we are, you and I, with with Kyrie joining the team. I don't feel any differently about it. Nope. But that doesn't mean that we still don't have the same problem that we had when we didn't have Kyrie, when we had Spencer and Dorian Finney-Smith, because. I, I still feel like I wish we had made one or two more moves. Yeah. You know, I, it's great that Maxi is back, and I, I think I um not that it's it's not a pipe dream that like it takes all the pressure off Maxi, but I actually think like Maxi is going to have to step up in a way that he hasn't before in his career yeah. if we really really want to make some sort of run. Yeah. Um. I mean, like you know, his his season splits are like six and a half points and like four rebounds. Yeah. Like it, 
we talk about this guy like it's the end all be all that he's back and defensively like you know he's our best defensive big yes. so it's it's really crucial in that regard but um it's going to need to be an impact all across the stat sheet and all across the game where he's playing night in night out with with some level of consistency on the offensive side of the ball yep. um because if you have you know in that closing five if if it's maxi if it's justin holiday and reggie bullock in there or throw one of one swap one of those guys out for tim if he's hot yep and then it's luca and kyrie like that puts a lot of pressure on maxi and justin holiday and, and reggie bullock yeah. it just does like i i'd still love for us to go nab nerland's noel he's still out there like you could go you could go sign him i'm anything like whatever we can do to to add any type of depth to this like it and i'm saying like we'll probably see more javel but we might not like i i wouldn't necessarily be i expect us to play javel just because we're gonna have to deal with Embiid. but like there's also a chance that he might not play at all and, and in which case like Okay, then why aren't we signing Nerlens Noel and, and at that point like cutting whoever we need to? Um, Do you cut? Are you willing to cut Javale McGree with with two years left on his deal? No, I mean just contractually, I don't think we can cut him. But I think you know, I, I like McKinley, but I just like he's so small. Like what? Yeah. You know, like what are we I, between him and AJ Lawson? I I tend to want to keep him i guess but now i'm like i'm grasping at straws yeah like none of this really matters like ooh, those guys probably need to get replaced in in the off season um well you have a big hole we have a big hole in frank nilakina on the roster who need, needs well. to get replaced yeah so i just i yeah like i said i'm not devoid of hope but i also i want to be realistic about this yeah. and right now i feel like <laughs> we we seem primed for a potentially upsetting like first round yeah exit i think i mean going back to the to the tone i was setting uh at the top you know we have i think we have an equal chance of rallying around one of these losses or maybe a loss that comes in the next week and really figuring it out and guys hey let's get our rotations right like let's let's rotate better that's that's the biggest thing on defense for us is to rotate better like especially when you know when maxi has ramped up and has gotten to the point where he can play the full minutes that he needs to be playing and you have that line on the, on the back side of okay yeah you have that shot blocker back there if we just key in the, on our defensive rotations hey don't give up mentally when it comes to, to either side of the floor that those are the two biggest things for us, I think, at this at this juncture. I think we have the talent and the personnel to make a to make a Western Conference Finals run, and I think we have an equal shot of shitting the bed, and I think we have an equal shot of figuring it out. And that's that's the positive in me. I mean, and that and that's that's where we're at because we only have, like you said, what eighteen games left in the season. It's it's do or die time. Like we have to do it. I think that if Nico, it's, it's nineteen. It's nineteen. Nineteen. 19. Yeah. If if Nico and Mark aren't looking at J Kid, uh, maybe a little differently. If you know by the end of the season, if things go poorly, then 
I don't know. It's it's there's something I wrong. Think, I still think like we're. I still think he's safe. Yeah. I like people obviously. It's not like no one's saying this, but like you can't undervalue who this guy was as an NBA player. Like you said, like an NBA mind and revered by the Dallas Mavericks franchise by Cuban. Um. I know a little bit less about how Nico feels about him, but I, you know, I do know that they they came into this with a, a solid relationship. Yep, they came it's in with the like, the collaboration mindset. Right. Us and the Clippers are sliding right now, and every other team from one to five is winning games. Yeah. And KD just came back for the Suns. I mean, it, it's. It's it now it comes down to like who do you <laughs> who do you have to chase here? Yeah. Like you have to go on some sort of run because seven through ten, like I get it. If we're the seven seed, okay, then we'd play the Grizzlies and I know like how Mavs fans feel about uh we our could take up with them. Yeah, but like we think we're fine if we're playing the Grizzlies, but okay. No, we wouldn't be fine. Good. It's not like we're John Morant. Oh yeah, I'm fine in the West. <laughs> right, right. But we like we like to believe that we yeah. kind of have their number, and we've won some close games against them. But they also have a really good head coach, mm-hmm. a really good young head coach. Um, a lot of depth. They have they have potentially the DPOY yeah. on their team. Guy that was an All Star. They have Desmond Bain as well. They have Dylan Brooks, who as much as people dislike him, like he's a gritty guy and he's something you have to deal with. And a guy that can guard Luca for 40 minutes will be effectively guarding Luca. Like maybe, who knows? He's he's a guy that you can throw at him and kind of be a nuisance. Yep. Can he get into Luca's head and, and and kind of spin his emotions out of whack? I probably. Like at least a little extent. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Which we've seen also can turn Luca into like a different guy yeah. from a positive standpoint yeah. as well, right? Like it's a dangerous game to play, level. right? But I just, yeah, I mean, I don't feel great about that. Is is kind of my point, and I'd feel a little. I, I would feel better about playing a Kings team that hasn't been in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely! In nine seasons, and I know they've played us well this season, but. There's a lack of experience there, and I think that's way more easily exploitable than playing any of the remaining, you know, top six, top five teams in the West. Um, and I certainly wouldn't want to have to be in a situation where we could have one mental lapse of a game, and now we're playing the the nine or ten seed who just won, and one of those teams could be the Lakers. Yeah. And guess what? Like, if LeBron comes back and Anthony Davis is playing. Rob Polinka did what he needed to do to build out the depth on that team. They're yep. scary. Jared Vanderbilt, I said earlier, like he might be the best defender on Luka in the NBA. It's probably Wiggins, but Vando was excellent. And not only was he excellent defensively on Luka, but he also was a terror for us on the defensive glass, on the offensive glass. And I just don't think whether it's whether Maxie's back, whether it's Nerlens Noel that we pick up or Vail or Dwight or Christian, like, we can't handle them from a rebounding standpoint. I mean, we, we just can't can't handle most teams on a rebounding standpoint. Unfortunately, that's God. If we could just rebound just a little bit better, I are are the differences in some of these games would be drastic. Like it would be, yeah. If if you just 
I mean, hell, a lot of the time it's just putting two hands on the ball. Like you guys have to rebound with both with both hands. It, it, it's just to me when I when it it boils it all down to the most basic stuff. It is mostly a mental game for this team. And I mean, Jake had said it. This team has to mature uh, from uh, from everybody. It, it's from the top down. Uh, Luca has to mature all the way down to Josh Green and Justin Holiday and Reggie Bullock and Max. Everybody's got to step up mentally and mature. And when when I was thinking about once we traded for Kyrie, I was thinking, okay, what's our best lineup? Probably when fully healthy and everybody's mentally engaged, it is Luca Kai, Green, Seawood, and Maxi. in my eyes. Yeah. I think that's a yeah. great, a great playoff lineup, especially for, you know, when we have a couple guys in the backcourt who can unfortunately allow guys past them. And then you have two shot blockers down low who can effectively, you know, account for those mistakes. And when you don't have guys engaging in games, it's just, it, it makes it, you're really limiting yourself. And you just have, you just have to go full. Like this is, it's do or die. It is do or die. If these guys can't figure that out in the next couple games, uh, then we may not even have much to talk about uh, come May. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think that as much as I'd love us, like if we do get to the playoffs, which I believe we still will. Yeah, I do too. Like for us to not know the like, – take away the final score and all we would have to do is look at the box score and see how many threes we hit and then be able to determine if we won or if we lost. Yeah. Like, I would love for that not to always be the case. Yep. It would be nice. And and I think so much of that has to do with playing like, you know, like the, like the Miami Heat do. Like the Bucks do, I would say. Like the Warriors typically do, which is like limit your turnovers. Have limit their offensive rebounds and extra possessions, which goes into the turnover bucket mm-hmm. as well, right? Hit your free throws. Good luck. Like, do all the little things. Yep. Like, And I think that's where it's, yes, guys have to mature, but I- I'd love to see, like, some more empowerment, too. Like, mm-hmm. not only from the players. This is what I talked about with Raymond, is, like, someone in that locker room has to step up as a leader, yeah. right? But I also think it can be helpful for a coach to be vocal in that aspect as well. Yeah, absolutely. Some of that accountability for himself too, mm-hmm. especially a guy who played and played at a really high level, played for this franchise and won us a championship. Yeah. Like, and to, I, I, you know, he's obviously like, he obviously like trends more on the like player coach. Yeah. Like side where he's, he's, he's the, the, he's the player's coach. Not only is he was he a player coach, but he is the player's coach, right? He he champions his guys. He doesn't really criticize them heavily, like, in-game, as opposed to Rick, who could be pretty heavy-handed yeah. on players, like, in-game. It's very obvious. You can see it on the court, um, which is interesting because I feel like he's paired that back a little bit. He's got this young team, and he kind of, like, lets them do their own thing yeah. a little bit. Um, which would have been nice. An oddity to, yeah, it's an oddity to see. Um, even just the fact that, like... You know, like Neesmith and Nemhard are out there, and it's like Josh Green could never touch the court when when Rick was out. Oh, I think uh, I think about that too. I thought about that too. But I don't 
don't know. I just like we have to do the little things. Yep. I I still think it all comes down to Luca leading in that aspect. Oh, if he if he because because too many times, like you said, like there's he ends up on the floor and yep. then they get a five on four, and it's like you're still talking to the refs and like you're letting your your teammates down, but more importantly, like you're giving the offense an easy offensive possession where they're man up and mm-hmm. like realistically they're going to get a good opportunity and mm-hmm. it's not like if we get a quick steal or a quick defensive rebound you're waiting at half court ready to catch a, an outlet pass and like put some real pressure on the defense but things have looked better in regards to in my opinion just having Kyrie out there the offensive flow like the offensive opportunities for Luca are, are higher quality than they mm-hmm. were before and we're just not taking advantage of that from a game-to-game standpoint. Yep. Even though he did have 39 points, he took advantage, yep. but we as a team did not. Correct. A lot of those little things are just energy and effort. And if, it, I mean, that's why Josh Green is so important to have on the floor at all times. That's why Maxi Kleba, another energy and effort guy, is very important to have on the floor as much as you can have him on the floor. And you'd hope that that would be a little bit more infectious, especially to a guy like Luca. Like if Luca would just run back, just a couple more times a game, like some of these scores are going to be different. Some of these outcomes are going to be different. It's it's just unfortunate that it's kind of all a perfect storm of um, of losing. Honestly, e- even even after putting up 140 on the Spurs, but that's the Spurs. Um, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Believe in Maps podcast. We are l- running a little long. Um, please like, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to tune in to the next episode where we break down the 76ers game. And until then, peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.